Welcome to Catholic Living, a podcast that seeks to be a user's guide to the Catholic faith, where we boldly ask, what if this stuff is all true? How then should we live? This is brought to you by Excorde at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. I'm Tom Hoops. I'm writer in residence here at the college, and you can read what I write at alatea.org or excorde.org. The culmination of Lent and the culmination of our faith is Easter Sunday, the day we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. And it's important to understand what the church claims about this day. The Canadian psychologist Jordan Peterson, a very influential YouTuber, speaks of psychological and symbolic ways he appreciates the resurrection as a great freeing principle. But, he says, the question of the actual rising of Jesus from the dead bodily is, quotes, murky and complicated, end quote. No, actually, it's the opposite. Symbolically, it's murkier and more complicated than people give it credit for. But the actual teaching of the resurrection is not murky or complicated. It's very straightforward. Jesus was dead for three days, and then he came back to life. The question is simple. Was there a point in history when Jesus Christ was dead, and a later point at which he was alive again? On that question, the evidence is very strong. Yes, Jesus literally rose from the dead. And I want to give reasons today why to believe this, but I want to start out by saying the importance of believing this is hard to exaggerate. I have begun these Catholic Living podcasts with the introductory question, what if this stuff is all true? How then should we live? Well, we considered changing the words, acknowledging that all this stuff is true, because it is, but the truth of it all rests on one assumption, and I would argue one assumption only, that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is true. If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then he is no mere human, and his religion is no mere human invention. If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, I have to figure out who he was, why he did the things he did, and say the things he said, and what it all has to do with me. The famous C.S. Lewis proposition that Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, or a lord is relevant. If he didn't rise from the dead, he was either lying about who he was, or he was crazy. If he did rise from the dead, he is the lord of life and death, and I have to take him seriously in his claim to be lord of me. So did he really rise from the dead? Everything depends on our answer to that question. So let's look at some reasons why I believe, yes, he did rise from the dead, and why, through struggles and doubts and darkness, as well as great times and other things I was interested in, I kept coming back to Jesus Christ, because he did rise from the dead. So the first argument I want to share for why Jesus Christ rose from the dead is the argument from Christ's weakness. It's important, I think, to look at the way the New Testament story is told. In several ways, this does not look at all like a resurrection myth. It does not look at all like the story of the phoenix, uh, which Peterson, I think, himself compares it to. Jesus is not presented as an all-powerful mythic figure who triumphs over foes. He actually looks weak. He says, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me on the cross? After the crucifixion, the heroic figure of Jesus isn't what loomed in his followers' mind. His weakness did. The apostles came back because something extraordinary happened. 
Their defeated leader rose from the dead. And that is the extraordinary story. Uh, Tom Holland has a book out called Dominion. Now, I should hasten to add, we're talking about Tom Holland, the 53-year-old historian and author, not the 25-year-old Spider-Man actor named Tom Holland, which it must... um, Tom Holland must hate, the the author must hate that there's this 25-year-old guy who suddenly has his name and is more famous than him, because he really is a great historian who's done a lot of work. But he wrote this book, Dominion, which came out in 2019, about the rise of Christianity, and it's about how all of our morality today stems in the West from Christianity, and actually, morality over much of the world does, whether we like it or not. But he said about Jesus, this argument from Christ's weakness, quotes, So vast had the scope of Roman power become that any man who succeeded in making himself its master was liable to seem less human than divine. Divinity, then, was the very greatest of the great, for victors, heroes, and kings. Its measure was the power to torture one's enemies, not to suffer it oneself, to nail them to the rocks of a mountain or turn them into spiders or to bind and crucify them after conquering the world. That a man who himself had been crucified might be hailed as a god could not help but be seen by people everywhere across the Roman world as scandalous, obscene, grotesque. The ultimate offensiveness, though, was to one particular people, Jesus' own, the Jews. This is Tom Holland explaining why having a weak figure on a cross as your God is a non-starter in the ancient world. And yet this is exactly what we have in Jesus Christ, killed and crucified. Another argument would be from the apostles' weakness. So not Jesus' weakness, but the apostles' weakness. If the apostles were making up a religion, they didn't do it the way most founders of new religions have. They didn't make themselves look great and worthy of respect. Just the opposite. They made themselves look like a train wreck. The Catechism has a very good accounting of this sort of argument from the weakness of the apostles. Catechism says, Far from showing us a community seized by a mystical exaltation, the Gospels present us with disciples who are demoralized and frightened. For they had not believed the holy women returning from the tomb, and he regarded their words as an idle tale. When Jesus reveals himself to the eleven on Easter evening, he upbraids them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen, end quote. If they were making up a religion, they weren't doing it the right way. They were giving people reasons not to believe in them, not to see them as leaders, not to see them as having authority. Religious founders tend to be the ones who discover the truth and share it with others, talking them into it. N.T. Wright, who's a Protestant scholar, really, really excellent, um, has a a number of kind of uh, riffs on this theme. He talks about how Jewish beliefs were that the real Messiah would not die at all. The fact that he died would be a count against him. He said bodily resurrection is also not a Jewish belief. And while people had had visions of the dead, much as we have Marian apparitions, Nobody ever thought that that meant that they actually came back from the dead. They thought it meant that they were visiting them from another place. But that's not what they experienced with Jesus and not what they said about Jesus at all. For the Gospels to say that the women were the first uh, witnesses, N.T. Wright points out, is not a way to get followers in the ancient world. Women were not given the respect that they should be. In fact, this is a great kind of... um, 
blow for uh, women's liberation, the very uh, heart of the Christian message that women were the first witnesses that believed. N.T. Wright says a bunch of other things about this. He says, he points out that Jesus' followers didn't abandon him when he died. Why? He says the resurrection was an immediate and concrete effect on disciples' belief. How was that possible? Everyone had scattered and they suddenly came back together. Uh, And he said, very early on, you see Christians begin to call Jesus Lord. Something happened that totally changed the weakness of the apostles and the boldness and bravery and eventually martyrdom. And one of them is particularly interesting to look at. So this is another reason, is the transformation of Saul to Paul. Apart from the 12, we have the case of St. Paul, who was a zealous persecutor of the Christians and became a zealous preacher for the Christians. This extraordinary transformation from someone scandalized by the Christian message to its chief proponent makes sense only if Jesus Christ rose. It makes no sense if he didn't. And in his own preaching, Paul returned to the story of Jesus' resurrection again and again and again. This was the main theme of his resurrection. This is the main theme of St. Paul's writings. It's also clearly the spiritual center of his own conversion. Paul wanted nothing to do with those who were following Jesus Christ. He was a Pharisee who had studied under the great Gamaliel. He was a Roman citizen. He was highly cultured. He was well-read. Uh, he had read all the myths. He was also very zealous uh, in, in his the Acts of the Apostles that he was breathing murderous threats against Christians and dragging Christians from their homes. He helped put Stephen to death. Do you see the people who stoned uh, the first martyr, St. Stephen, kind of laying their cloaks at Paul's feet, which is sort of a sign that he's the guy in charge of this operation. And then what happened to him was he saw Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And after that, you see Paul try to preach to the Christians. The Christians immediately reject him because he's their enemy. Then he spends years alone by himself kind of processing what's gone on. Then he presents himself to the leaders of the church and kind of gets their welcome and okay. And then he starts preaching the resurrection all over the world. Uh, And he gave evidence himself for the uh, resurrection. He said he has appeared to Peter And he says, he has appeared to 500 people and last to me. So I don't know who these 500 people are, but clearly there are a bunch of witnesses alive at the time that Paul is preaching, uh, where he's saying, just go talk to these people. They all saw him. And it's impossible to lie by saying, talk to the 500 other people who are around who saw that. Another argument for the resurrection of Christ is that there was no early church debate about the resurrection of Christ. The early church debated many fundamental things, even the nature of the resurrection, but never the fact of the resurrection. That was a given. In John's account, when Peter and he both entered the empty tomb, they saw the burial cloth there and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloth, but rolled up in a separate place. For John, this sight shows that Jesus was not taken away and that he didn't rise like Lazarus did. And these cloths must have been well known to the early Christian community. He seems to be referring to things that people had actually seen. Somehow just seeing this, he can say, 
he saw and believed. Just by seeing this caused him to believe. So the early church was a Jewish reality, and in Jewish understanding, there was no single understanding of resurrection of the body. There were various competing ways to describe the resurrection of the body for those who did believe in the resurrection of the body, uh, but many of them didn't. But you don't see any of that reflected in the new Christian community. You don't see all those old debates that were in Judaism staying alive in the new Christian community, which of course they would with all these Jews who are now accepting the resurrection of Christ, unless they all understood a totally new way to understand the resurrection, and that's the one that they had seen. And that brings us to the next reason, which is the faith of the martyrs. So Christians from the church's first days to our own have been willing to die for their conviction that Christ rose from the dead. For them, the resurrection isn't just a sweet dream that they indulge in, but a hard reality that they suffer from and die for. St. Ignatius, before he went to his martyrdom, said, He has also truly raised from the dead, his father quickening him, even in the same manner his father will raise us up who believe in him in Jesus Christ. Polycarp said the same thing. If we do his will and walk in his commandments, uh, the dead will rise up also. So the early martyrs very clearly connected their experience of death with their hope for a resurrection. And the idea of martyrdom became a uniquely Christian concept. The Greeks and Romans had an idea of a noble death, which virtuous men and women die, but it was never something to celebrate, to die in a shameful way at the hands of one's oppressors. That was something that happened to weak people, not to strong people. That totally changes with the new Christian dynamic. Suddenly, people who died in the Colosseum, torn apart by lions, are celebrated as great heroes instead of slaves who'd been destroyed in their weakness. And it's important to note that to this very day, people are dying for their belief in the resurrection, right? You saw those Coptic Christians who were beheaded in Libya uh, by ISIS. Uh, these are people who went to their death, speaking the name of Jesus Christ, confident that what was going to happen next was going to be even greater than being set free by ISIS would have been. Next, the inconsistent accounts of the resurrection, I think, are actually, ironically, a great argument for the resurrection. Uh, gospel writers include different details, material from different sources. They all, though, mention the fact of the resurrection. We have the story of Emmaus, this, which is when the two disciples are walking along and Jesus comes and walks with them. We have the breakfast by the sea where Peter jumps out of the boat into the water. Thomas helpfully establishes the bodily resurrection by saying, I will put my fingers in his side to make sure that this actually happened. Uh, you have the story of Mary Magdalene. You have all these stories, but Bible skeptics will point out to the discrepancies that exist in the various accounts of the uh, resurrection. I think the larger point is lost by doing that. If a church was going to make up the resurrection, you can be sure that they would make sure that there were no inconsistencies in the accounts of the resurrection. There were no differences that looked like inconsistencies because it's different people's point of view looking at the story in a different way. Um, what you have instead is 
honestly written down eyewitness accounts that are then preserved intact by the church, despite their the, the fact that they make skeptics a little bit queasy. And I think that shows the intellectual honesty of the Christians and also their rock-solid belief that Jesus really rose from the dead, so they don't have to make stuff up in order to make it look real. Next, you have non-Christian historical accounts. You have a number of scholars who've said that we can't even be sure that Jesus existed, but there's actually quite a bit of evidence about the existence of Jesus in ancient sources, such as Tacitus, Pliny the Younger, Josephus, the Babylonian Talmud, and the Greek satirist Lucian of Samosata. They all mention various aspects of Jesus's life. Josephus, the Jewish historian, wrote a history in the year 93 that mentions that Jesus was crucified and appeared alive afterwards to his followers. Though the text is questioned by some scholars, there are multiple versions that retain the essential fact of Jesus dying and then somehow resurfacing alive. Tacitus mentions Jesus also, citing his crucifixion as having proved unable to stop the superstition of Christianity. However the debate about various texts turns out, and there are debates about these various texts, Tacitus' point is a very good one. Why wouldn't Jesus' crucifixion end the religious movement that Jesus had started? Because he rose from the dead. Another argument for the resurrection of Jesus is that Jesus didn't die again. There's all sorts of resurrection stories. There's Lazarus rising again from the dead or being brought back to life by Christ from the dead. There's Jairus, his daughter. Um, but these are, the, the Christ story is different. The Catechism explains how. It says, Christ's resurrection is essentially different because in his risen body, he passes from the state of death to another life beyond time and space. At Jesus' resurrection, his body is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He shares the divine life in his glorious state so that St. Paul can say that Christ is the man of heaven. Jesus rose never to die again. That's why the empty tomb was so stressed in the early church. The stories of how a boulder was placed in front of the tomb to guard it, soldiers were put on guard before the tomb, the fact of the resurrection and the empty tomb was absolutely central to the early Christian understanding of the resurrection. And it's absolutely central to ours as well. You don't have the body of Christ in a tomb anywhere. You don't have it resurfacing anywhere. There is briefly a kind of a um, fake news type story about an ossuary that said Jesus' name on it. Uh, but that turned out to be kind of a, a misunderstanding in the end. There simply is no history of an understanding of Jesus apart from the resurrection. And this is, brings us to a final reason to believe in the resurrection, which is the rise of a historical religion. In other words, the re rise of a religion which is based on a historical event. Christianity spread and grew despite persecution, not because of the power of the apostles' personalities or the perks of the faith. The apostles were weak, and there were penalties, not perks, to becoming a Christian. The historical fact of the resurrection of Christ in his glorified body is the building block for every dimension of the Catholic faith that followed. End quote. The resurrection experience of the Christians is the reason that they became Christian to start with. To return to Tom Holland in his book, Dominion, 
He said, to be Christian is to believe that God became man and suffered a death as terrible as any mortal has ever suffered. This is why the cross, that ancient implement of torture, remains what it has always been, the fitting symbol of the Christian revolution. In the audacity of it, the audacity of finding in a twisted and defeated corpse the glory of the creator of the universe, that serves to explain, more surely than anything else, the sheer strangeness of Christianity and the civilization which it gave birth to. Jesus' rising from the dead explains everything else that we believe. How can we each meet Jesus, even though we weren't alive when he was walking the streets of Palestine? Because he rose from the dead and lives today. How are we able to have our sins forgiven in the confessional? Because after the resurrection, he breathed on the apostles and gave them the power to forgive sins. Why do we hope in heaven? Because Jesus rose and went there first to open a passageway for us. In Easter, we don't celebrate a myth or a great psychological symbol. We celebrate the historical event that is the foundation of all of our hope and joy and happiness. He has truly risen. Our faith is not in vain. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Hoops, and this is the Catholic Living Podcast produced by Excorde at Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas. Our mission is to produce media that will transform culture in America through Benedictine's mission of community, faith, and scholarship. Visit us at excorde.org.